Hello, and welcome back to Comic Book Junkies. I'm Andrew. And I'm Joe. And today we're going to be talking about the recent happenings with DC Comics. We're going to get into this classic story, Craven's Last Hunt. And we'll probably be touching on a little bit of movie speculation for Spider-Man 3 and for the movie Morbius. So, Joe, let's start off with what just happened with DC in the past week or so here. So it looks like a whole bunch of corporate happenings just went on, and it looks like kind of what they're referring to as a bloodbath. It's been called the DC bloodbath, Warner Media announced a large layoff for their employees, especially for DC Comics. Approximately 20% of their staff is now laid off, which affects a third of the editorial staff. So to come with that, there was a lot of layoffs and a lot of titles being discontinued, more notably the Teen Titans, Suicide Squad, Hawkman, and Constantine. I wasn't reading Teen Titans or Suicide Squad because they were already bad books, but I did have Hawkman on my poll, so I'm a little sad about that. I thought it was a uh, really good story for him and kind of really tied in the whole DC Universe stuff with the Inth Metal. And then Constantine, I was not reading that, but that was one of the bigger titles that got discontinued. But to me, it felt like it was a long time coming. The New 52 was a flop. DC cutting ties with Diamond was another indicator. So now their books don't come out on Wednesdays anymore. DC Comics come out on Tuesdays because they went through a bunch of independent publishers. And now because of COVID-19, I think this was kind of an excuse for them to finally move forward with their layoff. So they definitely scaled back. The good news is that DC Comics isn't going anywhere. They're still publishing comic books, but they're putting more of an emphasis on moving their material, especially like the TV shows and movies towards HBO Max. I believe that's going to be their new priority. And despite the news of the layoffs, I don't know if DC is going to be more condensed, more killer, no filler, or if it's kind of one step closer to them getting smaller as the company. So what do you think? I'm kind of in agreement with you. I kind of think that they are just streamlining things. I mean, that's what happens when the corporate overlords take over. The new regime comes in, you know, they want a fresh start. I mean, there was a bunch of old heads in there, like Bob Harris, a bunch of people like that. Jim Lee even got moved kind of like laterally out of his publishing position, which I mean, he probably shouldn't have been doing on his own since Didio got canned, which I liked that move because I felt like the kind of direction they're going with was kind of iffy. But then Jim Lee, he's going to be just CCO now. So I mean, technically, he's still kind of above being a publisher. They actually have two other new publishers, I believe, Marie Javins and Michelle Wells. So I mean, they kind of come from a background of having more of like a digital focus, a kind of more of the young adult, like the kids focus, because I mean, kids comics are huge right now. It's actually a big part of their sales, even though you don't see them at traditional comic book stores. So I mean, it's just an editorial thing. I mean, at least they have something to do with comics. I heard one of their uh, one of their new interim publishers is actually coming from like the realm of East sports. I don't really know. So I mean, some people are kind of upset about that. They're like, well, he doesn't know anything about comics. And it's like, well, he doesn't necessarily have to. He just needs to make sure that the trains run on time. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a corporate thing. Like, do you know how to run the business? I mean, would it be better to be specialized and know exactly like tit for tat the market that you're working in now? Probably. Do you have to to succeed? Not necessarily. That's what the people under you are doing. You're just making sure that they're running well. And you know what I think? I think it's going to be fine. I think they're cutting titles. I think 20 to 25% of their output, which kind of makes sense. I mean, it's something we saw back in the 70s as well with the implosion right after the DC explosion. They started putting out all these different titles. We almost saw detective comics get canceled. Didn't happen. But like the shrinking, the swelling, the all of that with the comics market is very natural. The whole economy right now is hurting. The kind of market readership as compared to back in the day is smaller. But ultimately, I think the overall market's going to be fine. I think DC isn't going to start licensing 
out their characters right away or anything like that. I mean, but we really have no idea the long-term effects of this move. Something with like the corporate undertakings that always happen, you always see it down the line. You don't see it immediately. These are just like upper slash middle editorial changes mostly. People that have been there for a long time. Anytime you get a new person in there, just like a football team, you get a new general manager, you fire the head coach, you bring your new guy in. You want to start fresh with your guys. So it's like- them an opportunity to rebrand so i do think it is an opportunity for them and i don't think that they're going to be the only ones to scale down too i think a lot of companies are doing that and so it's not like marvel's going to get all of the competition it's definitely going to be different for dc moving forward but i don't think it's necessarily a bad thing if they can condense their titles and focus on the characters get better creative teams for the titles that they are doing it could potentially be an okay thing i agree with you 100 percent on that we'll just have to see where this goes but it's too early to call it now so i say let's talk about what we do know and that is craven's last hunt boy that was actually one of my favorite reads since we've been doing the podcast. Absolutely. Titles Craven's Last Hunt. It appeared in The Amazing Spider-Man and a few other spider titles. Written by J.M. DeMatteis. Pencils by Mike Zeck. It's a six-issue series published in 1987. And even just opening up that first issue, that first panel, it is sweet. The whole page is naked Craven, <laughs> And a bunch of different animal heads behind him in the background show that he's known for game spider-man being the hardest thing to hunt and capture is why craven makes such a great villain even in the first few issues he says he's from russia lenin's dragged his homeland of russia into the pit he's not wrong <laughs> which is why his family moved here to the united states as a kid the place he's staying at is super nice it kind of reminds me of like a catholic church stained glass and gothic architecture and then he's kind of dissatisfied with with not being able to catch Spider-Man at this point in his villain career. And in transitions to Peter Parker with the black costume, wondering when he's going to die. So flashes back to Craven in a pit of spiders, and he's taking a handful and eating them. <laughs> Trying to really get in the mind state of being the spider. Very animalistic. After uh, that, Spidey is trying to clear his head. Webs around town, and out of nowhere, Craven starts citing William Blake poetry the tiger. He says, spider, spider, burning bright in the forest of the night, and then hits him with the dart, knocks him out, and shoots him with the gun. So I can't think of a stronger first issue than that. That was a hardcore story and a great retelling of exactly what happened. Dudes were going crazy the whole time. He's loose off that potion. He's just got like herbs and potions sitting in his like gothic castle townhouse joint that he's got. He's just like running around the joint naked on like drugs, hallucinating, eating spiders, just being a fucking loon and <laughs> he's like man they called my mother crazy my family kind of came here and toiled and lived in squalor they were royals like you know he had like his own like demons and he projected it onto the spider he even says like everyone has their own spider and spider-man literally is his spider and it's just like he's accomplished everything he's wanted to accomplish he recognizes his mortality he's getting older as a villain and he is just a man he doesn't have any enhancements or special powers he's just a dude a ballsy ass dude and 
And I think that's where his drive really comes in, which I respect the hell out of that hustle. Because he comes in, he shoots Spidey with some darts. He's got Spidey tripping, makes him think he's Joe Face, that dude who just died. Spidey's like, hell no, that ain't Joe Face. And then he sees Craven there, hits him with that heavy duty net. And then he whips out a rifle to pop a cap in his ass. And he's cheesing, bro. Spidey's like, he's like, no, you just want to punch me, right? Craven's like, nah, dude. <laughs> he just shoots him. And it's like, whoa, that's badass of like, of a thesis. Like you just gripped the shit out of me for this story. I was not expecting that first issue. Spider-Man's already dead. Usually like the villain will catch the protagonist and list off why he's doing it. And then there's like some kind of escape, but he just cut right to the chase and shot him. And as far as we know, first issue, uh, Spider-Man's dead. And I don't think that any other villain in the Marvel universe has officially killed Spider-Man. So that just shows how good of an adversary Kraven is. Moving into issue two, the cool thing about Kraven and Peter, they have the same costume. So in the first issue, it's a little confusing. They're both wearing the black costume. So you don't know if Kraven's really acting as Peter or Peter's acting as Kraven. But they do make that distinction pretty clear when you're reading it. The only hard to believe part is that Kraven's like twice the size of Peter Parker. So if <laughs> they're both wearing the same costume and one's twice the size of the other, you know, that would look a little weird. But moving into that second issue, they also introduced this character named Vermin, which I, I wasn't really uh, too familiar with before this story. He's basically a rat person. And his first appearance, there was a woman walking by and he just sticks his hand out the sewer and, <laughs> and he drags her, her in. Yeah, he snatched her. And then at this point, Craven's still getting high off that uh, that root juice and uh, is questioning why he's acting the way he is. Mary Jane at this point is kind of wondering where Peter Parker is. She's very strong character and basically she's used to not seeing Peter Parker come home but at this point she's a little worried it's at this part in the story where you know I really decided I love the art the way the black costume is drawn I think they did that well especially when Mary Jane is getting chased by those two dudes basically some guys are catcalling her when she's in the streets looking for Peter Parker and Craven comes dressed in the black costume to beat them up but you know and she knows that that's not actually Peter Parker. How about her telling those dudes to just get stuffed? Total bad broad energy, dude. She yeah, just... she says, uh, I can hear them running towards me. They're giggling like chimps in heat. <laughs> she tells them to get stuffed, though. That's ballsy. I mean, good on her, but like, them dudes were on her chase, dude. They're ready to tear her up. Yeah, but for not I, having I mean, superpowers, I understand why she makes a good partner for Peter Parker. I totally would rather be dealing with those dudes, too, than Vermin, because Vermin is strictly like chasing chimps or like snatching them up and eating them like ass first. Like how about the fact that like he's just casually eating <laughs> people. He's just snatching up women and eating them ass first like a hyena, I'm assuming. And then I mean, <laughs> he's just like, he's just going out there. So I really think that Vermin being set up like in the foreshadowing, like you kind of don't see why he's being introduced. You kind of see him as just like a goofy smaller villain. Kind of start to see that he's actually not to be fucked with. He's actually pretty tough, even though he's kind of an idiot. He but... really steps it up in issue three. Oh yeah, he definitely does, dude. That's my favorite part because dude's like in there, he's fighting the cops and they're like, what the hell's that? He comes in, he grabs the dude, chucks him out of the car, and then he commands rats to go and swarm him. That was fucking nuts. That and was so he- cool. <laughs> but what was equally well not equally like way more creepy is the fact that he gets out to the lady cop and he's like, she's got soft black skin. 
and it looks like my mom's. And then he licks her face and just dips, bro. I'm like, what? <laughs> That's not how you treat women or your mom. <laughs> <laughs> I know she shot him first too. And he's bleeding and you think that's okay, right? No, he tackles her to the ground, holds her head firmly and licks her cheek and says, mother, I love he's you. A- <laughs> he's a soft, <laughs> that's soft just so metal. Lips, light black skin. And it's like, bro, that's creepy <laughs> as all hell, dude. <laughs> you can't be doing that. It's like, she should have shot him Dude, she had PTSD. That, and he calls off the rats, too, because he's like, oh, that looks like mom. And then he's just like, rats, get out of here. And they just listen to him. It's like, God, I hate this dude. He was honestly so disgusting. Between, like, eating people alive and then, like, assaulting people like that it's like i really hate this dude but craven doesn't right it's it's, <laughs> it's a like a chess piece in his game with peter parker he finally wants to take him down because spider-man can never do it by himself so he pre-games at his house and uh <laughs> he's got a rat <laughs> in a cage and throws it right out his window uh <laughs> fucking weird but that's his sign that he's about to take this dude down bro he's yeah. on bath salts and k2 and he's just like fucking with rats in his house <laughs> oh you think we're making this shit up but we're not at the end of the issue that's exactly the case he finally captures him and peter parker is still six feet under the ground and he wakes up and he's just realizing that he's not dead or might be dead and the last panel shows his arm popping out of the ground but basically whether he lived or died at this point craven buried him alive and that was pretty hardcore yeah and i like how he comes back and like spidey's got all his ducks in a row like he finally starts to come to and he's like tired of shit because obviously he's been buried alive for like two weeks he says and he never really died he was just drugged underground for (laughs) two weeks and he's pissed off about wasting two weeks it's like that's me with my pto and then it's just like he comes (laughs) back first thing he does is go stop by mj's to let her know that not only is he okay but that he needs to clap some cheeks and then he's like then i'm gonna go fight and it's like respect but (laughs) yeah he's got to get his mind right yeah and she's like honey you're like you're so messed up right now you don't stand a chance he's like he can't even talk he's just like it'll get better and then he just dips and he's ready to fight craven the dude who just whooped his ass and craven i love the like big dick energy craven has because he's like monologuing to him he's explaining like how he's already been like 10 steps ahead and he's like i'm not gonna fight you i already won i could have killed you but i didn't that you think that him breaking into his house you'd be kind of on high alert but he's just like comfortable at this point he knows that it was destiny for peter to uh revisit him at after uh, he came up ground and broke out of his grave to visit him. And uh, he even says that he feels like he won the challenge between them and that he's the only villain that could actually have killed him if he wanted to. The cool thing too is when he's telling him this, they're both in that black Spider-Man costume. At the end of that, he says that vermin is the perfect fusion of man and animal, kind of like Spider-Man, a vile, tormented, beautiful beast. And that it even took Captain America to help him fight, but Craven could do it by himself. So moreover, he's very cool, collected. He takes Spider-Man to his basement and shows him that Varman's in a cage and uh, like an electric cage that he was able to do it, but Peter Parker can't. Yeah, he lets him loose on Peter Parker and Peter Parker lets his guard down and he's about to eat him alive, but Craven calls him off. At this point, Craven thanks Spider-Man for everything he's learned by fighting him and defeating 
beating him, but he gives him the opportunity to choose. He says, you can either at this point chase after Vermin, who's uh, I just let loose on the city, or, you know, you can uh, you can fight me. It's an easy decision at this point because Craven kind of has his mind right. For Vermin's sure. hanging out in that cage and he's just floating in the basement. And Craven's like talking to Spider-Man and just showing him like, he's like, look, I got a rat in a cage. And then he just keeps <laughs> chucking like torches at him, dude. <laughs> he I'm keeps throwing sure him in that's there. That's a smashing pumpkin song. <laughs> <laughs> it is, dude. But like, they didn't mention the part where you throw like lit torches into the cage with it. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it's at, at that point where he gives him the ultimatum, but he assures Peter Parker. He's like, I'm never going to hunt again. I beat you. So I really love the dialogue between Craven and Spider-Man at this point, but Peter does leave. He says, Craven says uh, his goodbye, in a sense. It's at the point where uh, Peter Parker leaves the household to go chase him, and he's kind of reminiscing about himself, his parents, and the the terrible part is he grabs a gun and finally uh, kills himself and blows himself right into a casket. He had the the whole thing planned. Says his goodbye, says his vow to never hunt again, and he really meant it. Like, what a climax like who would have thought that like he's like i did it i done it i came i saw i conquered and then boom just offs himself like what does he have to prove after that he got what he wanted what's his next feat there's no move in the goalpost anymore like he's literally beat and become superior to his largest foe and he died with what he would consider honor peter at this point has no other choice probably shoots another load and mj chases after uh vermin and at this point he's in the sewers he kind of has the home advantage and peter parker is not himself either he's still a little dazed and confused because he got shot with that poison so he's kind of having flashbacks to being buried he doesn't really know if he's living or dead at this point meanwhile the police roll up to Craven's estate they see that he's dead and has a confession letter saying that this whole time that two weeks that Peter Parker lost he was pretending to be him and that he just wanted to prove that he could do a better job than Peter so that was in a sense his victory I thought that was really uh, noble that he did leave that letter behind saying that it wasn't actually Peter Parker these last two weeks. It was him. The game's over at this point. So that gave a lot of respect to his character and he even restored Peter Parker's reputation when all is said and done. It was basically just he wanted to know that he's his best villain and that he is the best hunter on this planet. At the very end of the issue, Peter catches Vermin and sends him away to the police. He doesn't know whether or not Craven committed suicide at this point or not, but the first thing he thinks of is going back to MJ. Very last panel shows a group of men burying Craven, shoveling the dirt into the grave, and both a rat and a spider gets buried with him. I thought that was a really cool metaphor, and this is possible possibly got to be the best Spider-Man story ever told. Yeah, dude, definitely. I would say it's the best one I've ever read, at least until this point. I mean, there's a few other classics and a few other stories that I'm familiar with, but haven't read fully. But this actually blew away my expectations of the book. I was like, oh yeah, I've heard Craven's Last Hunt's good. I've seen the panels where Craven offs himself, stuff like that. And I was like, that seems pretty badass. But reading it issue for issue, they went by really quick, but they were all very impactful. It was very 
condensed storytelling, but it wasn't too much. So it kind of got the point across very smoothly. The art was fantastic. I'm a big Mike Zach guy, especially like his run he did with Deathstroke in the 90s. So I'm already fairly familiar. So like the art was very dynamic as well. Very impactful, emotional, kind of kinetic. It kind of showed the energy that you could see the characters moving with. I would say it's my favorite Spidey story. This was by far my favorite book we've read to this point. Let's get into the ratings. I'm going to go with you because I think I've made it very clear what I'm giving it. I would probably rate it a 10 out of 10. The only other story I've rated that high this far has been Watchmen. So it's on par with that. Watchmen might be my favorite so far just because it spread over 12 issues. This spread over six. So it felt a little short in that regard. But I love the spider versus rat motif. I thought that was interesting. I would love to see Marvel adapt this story as a movie. It's definitely one of Spider-Man's best stories. A little dark. I don't think it would make for a good Tom Holland movie as far as like a third Spider-Man movie. Something that Fox could bring up. They are a little more able or willing to tell a darker story. So for the fact that they already did Venom, it might be a good transition for them to move from like Venom, Morbius, and then maybe Craven's Last Hunt. But either way, this definitely is a story that needs to be told. And it was one of the best comic book stories that I've ever read. Wouldn't disagree with you there. Only thing that I do like, you dropped that little hook, line, and sinker. Because that's what we're talking about next, boy. So he mentioned Morbius. He mentioned Spider-Man. He mentioned Tom Holland. He mentioned Craven. All of these things, what do they have to do with? Movies, boy. So yeah, I'm thinking that Craven's totally in the line for Spider-Man 3. Opposite Joe's opinion, I don't think they're going to roll with Sony, whoever he's under now. I don't think that they're going to do like that separate Sinister Six stuff that they were planning on, which I kind of thought was like ill-fated without a proper Spider-Man. I could see this working in that vein. I agree with you on that. I don't think that they will. I think that Disney and Spider-Man, their property is totally going to run with Kraven in the next movie is my thought. I've actually heard rumors swirling about that and I'd like for them to be true. And I think that, you know, after he got outed in the last movie spoiler alert for those who haven't seen a like fairly recent marvel movie yeah dude he's on the run he's just got exposed by jake gyllenhaal and now all of a sudden where's he gonna go he's already barely been in new york the first two movies bet you he goes and hides down in africa and then craven's gonna go hunt his ass because that's what craven does and i think that's gonna be cool it's not gonna be this story which is unfortunate but i think that assuming they cast a good craven they've been pretty good with michael keaton and jake gyllenhaal Hall so far, but if they can cast a good Craven, Spider-Man 3 should be sweet to end off a trilogy. That would be ideal for me, but like I said, I feel like it's a little too dark of a story in general, the whole Craven committing suicide at the very end. Oh, they won't do yeah. this. Exactly. But that's the story that they need to tell. And so that's yeah. kind of why I, I want Sony to take it over. Not that they make better movies than Marvel, but because they're more obliged to take that kind of dark liberty. But yeah, Morbius uh, is supposed to release before that as far as the Fox movies distributed by Sony. This is going to be the second Marvel movie that they've made following the Venom movie with Tom Hardy. Basically, Michael Morbius 
Elias is a guy with a rare blood disease. He uses illegal methods to cure himself, which is a result of him turning into a vampire. He does not have the weakness that usual vampires do in vampire lore, but he does have a thirst for blood. I think that movie in particular looks a lot cooler than Jared Leto's take on the Joker with the whole damage written on his head. I thought that was a kind of poor take on the Joker, but Jared Leto has a chance to redeem himself with being Morbius. I think that it's a good opportunity for him because he's traditionally been a good actor, especially with like Requiem for a Dream. I probably won't see it. I'm totally skipping that. Anything that Sony pushes out is like me on the toilet after Taco Bell. That's the same level of pushing out that they're doing, dude. I don't agree with all the <laughs> movies that they're putting out. So I'm just like, hold it. Like <laughs> you want to make it Spider-Man related? Sure. But tell me why in the holy hell would we give a damn about a Morbius movie when they're going to do like that typical cinematography of like an early 2000s movie and it's going to be like dun, 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 and he's going to be like transforming it's going to be like whoa CGI party Eminem might rap over it please don't dude you're right it's just like that's another level of corny and cheesy but like with a hint of edge and it's like I don't need that like I get it but like you keep pushing out tanks or like I don't know I guess Venom did well but it doesn't seem right it wasn't a great movie I think the only thing that made it an okay movie was that they hired Tom Hardy so that was a good decision on their part because he's already a really good actor I'm hoping that they kind of see that with Jared Leto and it's a little better but I agree that Marvel makes better production than Sony ever will but I could see like at least down the line the Tom Holland Tom Hardy Venom Spider-Man meeting in some regard because of just the pop that Venom has but unless Morbius is fucking blockbuster I don't see the potential for that down the line and I feel like they're just risking the biscuit for no reason really why a Morbius movie like are you putting it out around Halloween do you want like a loosely affiliated Spider-Man movie that's like a monster movie but not really because he looks like vampire Jesus and he's just going to get hunted by the CIA or something like in every half monster half superhero movie like oh my god the military's got to stop him he's too strong and then he's like I feel persecuted by the government because I'm a freak and then he's gonna fall in love and then she's gonna get bit or there's gonna be witty banter and then yippity doo da. who cares not me but I mean <laughs> hey not knocking it y'all like it Morbius is a cool comic character I just don't know where the movie property really fits into the grand scheme of things like I said I think it just comes down to the storytelling you know I don't think Marvel's willing to risk grittier storylines but overall Marvel does a better job of the storytelling than Sony ever will because even though they own the rights to these characters it's never going to fit in like a cinematic universe that Marvel does. I can agree to that. That's all I've got for today. How about you, Joe? Any closing thoughts? The only thing that I will have to say, I definitely recommend Craven's Last Hunt, an essential read. I think it's more of a complex read. So if you're new to comics, I would wait to read this, but it was one of the better series ever created. So 10 out of 10 boobs. Next episode, we're going to take it back to The Amazing Spider-Man. We had such a good time reviewing a Marvel story that we want to do the night Gwen Stacy died. That's 
supposed to be one of the other best stories ever told in Amazing Spider-Man. So that's one of the reasons why CBJ wants to review that next. Yeah. And if you like this content, make sure you do go ahead and check us out on all social media. We are on Facebook at CBJ Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at CBJ Pod. And you can also find us on YouTube on traditional podcast directories. So you can find us on all of those. Make sure to like, listen, subscribe, do what you got to do, tell your friends. And if you have any recommendations for what you'd like us to talk about, any certain type of story, any type of content, if you'd like to ask a question, feel free to ask. Definitely. If you're listening to us by podcast, definitely recommend your friends to download, whether they use Spotify, Apple Music, or Google. And we will catch you next episode. Later, guys.